G'day and welcome to Beers with Engineers, a group of young individuals who strongly believe that if something looks stupid but it works, then really it's not stupid. In today's episode, we're going to talk about how a game of Kino eventuated into the engineering dads becoming a thing. If you would rather go to the bottom of the ocean or on Mars, if you'd rather time travel or teleport, and if you'd rather use your phone in Mandarin all the time or have to use your nose for everything on your phone with a couple of more would you rather questions to follow from that. My name is James and before you get into today's podcast, please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel and keeping up to date with our project. We would really appreciate that. Enough from me, into today's show. Welcome back to another episode of Beers with Engineers. My name is James. And as always, I'm joined by my two co-hosts, Patty and Sean. Patty, how you doing, brother? I'm good, my man. I'm good. What are you drinking today? I got an XPA. First sip was really good. It's been a long day, so maybe it was really good. Sean, how are you, brother? I'm doing really well. Yeah, a bit of a long day, I will admit. Um, just a lot of work to crunch through and uh, things to push on. But you know what? I'm very happy to be sitting here with not a beer, but instead, um, I'm having a whiskey and coke, gentlemen. Have a listen to this. And Diet Coke doesn't sound as good when you open it and give you that much. But yes, I was actually, uh, I was actually thinking of having a bourbon and coke, but then I wouldn't know like how to rhyme it with something engineering. I don't think we should get stuck into the little, um, little minu- the minutiae of the the question. I think beers with engineering. The minutiae, the the it's small, fancy. the the small details of it. Uh, I think the idea of having a relaxed beer chat or like a, a drink at the pub and going over these questions is really the, the context for it. But yeah, but I think today's uh, episode is more about questions with engineers. So, um, James, I think you had a question to start us off. <laughs> so this is a more of a, hey, Sean, do you remember this? So do you, I want to ask you first, do you remember like how we met in terms of like our engineering interests and how we knew we both were doing engineering and why we wanted to do engineering dads i guess what kick, kicked off our interest in each other's of interest i guess oh was this the time on having a drink on the balcony no 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 no, no. this it, no, that, no, no. okay that was probably the big one that was just like oh my god we should do projects together so <laughs> to give everyone a bit of context patty sean and myself used to work at a bar together um and i knew there was an engineer who worked at this bar but i didn't know who it was and then one night, Sean and I had a shift in the same place, and it was our first shift together. And like, it was a really quiet night. I think we were sold like an average of three beers and two wines per yeah. hour. And then I was like, "Hey, you're the guy who studies engineering at UNSW as well." Um, and you were like, "Yeah, oh, yeah, that's, yeah, that's right. me." So we we kept talking, and then I think we kind of died off. And we used to play Kino um, during shift, like not actually gamble, but we used to try and guess the numbers. <laughs> yes. And I remember I remember going to Sean. I was just like. Dude, what do you think the odds are of winning Kino? And then you were like, oh, mate, you got to do the factorial. You got to do the stats. You got to use this equation, that equation. And I was like, I'm actually studying stats right now. And you were like, yeah, I'm doing the exact same course. I think you did a term before me. So mm. we're trying to like solve this thing. And another one of our engineering friends who did civil was there. And he was like working on the floor, but he kept coming over to like help us out. <laughs> That's right. And I then remember yeah. I remember it took us like four hours to like actual, actually solve it. And I don't know if you remember, but we like wrote all these numbers down, used our calculators. And I think yeah. one of the managers didn't care. And then the answer we got was like so close to what we Googled. I don't know if you remember, but it was so satisfying. And I think after that, we're just like, me and you were meant to meet. I, I think I, I recall this actually quite well because the keynote tickets, right, are quite these slender, long receipts that you kind of get out of the machine. 
and we didn't have papers, so we just kept printing out fake receipts for Kino and writing on the back of it. We did a literal back of the envelope calculation, but it took so many receipts. We had like <laughs> meters of calculations. Go, no, 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 we forgot the probability. What's the chance? It's the same number. It can't be the same number. So you've got to break down um, the combination. And what was the other one? Oh, the, the it was factorials and like conditional probability. Yeah, with multiplying fractions. Though I remember we had a specific formula. It was fresh in my head at the time of what that formula was. But you kept having to like compound that from the last calculation. Yeah. yeah. Was, what was the end result of the Kino? Like, what was the, what were the odds of winning it? Pretty it was. Low. I think there was like seven or eight zeros, or even more behind it. Yeah, it's like one in a million or something in there. It's the the cost of the ticket uh, is. Uh, quite high compared to actually the winnings if you look at the probability it doesn't uh, stack up as well as like your normal lottos or things like that it's very very low but um, the chance of you winning something is quite high so like to get three numbers comparatively I don't know well I just I just did a quick google of Kino odds of winning and it says your chances of winning are one in four that's so that's the- for like anything that's to win anything yeah but the oh, big okay. one is like one in nine million or something like that. Yeah, to get the full prize, to guess uh, every okay. single number, regardless of what number it is, but to guess every single one um, is really ridiculous. But to get to win back like the same cost as the ticket, that's quite high. Oh, I just I just looked, looked uh, a little bit a little bit further, and it says one in eight million nine hundred and eleven seven hundred and eleven for spot ten. I assume that means like getting all ten numbers. Yeah, yeah. I do remember all those zeros and a nine. The thing like is, that. I can actually. I think I could probably redevelop that calculation. I'm I'm trying to think of how to do it correctly, like to input it into the calculator, the calculator. But I think I know how to do it in principle. I think I could do it again, given enough time. But let's not waste four hours of our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> no, you know what? Let's do. Let's do. Let's like have an entire episode <laughs> dedicated to Jimmy Packer and the Star Casino. Let's go, boys! All right, let's talk. Let's let's talk roulette. Actually, the, I, I'm down to talk about the probability, probability, engineering probability, because like probability and statistics is something that engineers have to understand, right? What's the chance of a building collapsing? It's not zero, but what is the chance? And you're trying to get that as close as you can, take out as many factors. So a lot of engineers have a natural ability to understand statistics and probability, which is weird because I see a lot of engineers who are gamblers and they should know better, but they still are. <laughs> Anyways. Um, there is a lot of understanding of uh, when, when you go through engineering and do statistics, you have to look at Monte Carlo c- combinations and then simulations around casinos and the probability of that winning. So, like, I think James and I have a fairly good understanding of some probability. The thing with stats and what I hate about it is the formulas you learn aren't actual real mathematical formulas. They're just all empirical that all outdated each other. Because one mm. became more accurate than the other. You got to pick your weapon. Sorry, Pads. You were saying something there. No, well, because obviously before I cut you off beforehand, you want to get started with the uh, questions, or the would you rather questions. I don't know if you explained to the audience, but we're going to be like the question, questions today. Would you rather, would you rather like Q and A's. And you talked about buildings collapsing. Mm-hmm. And that is, and that's a great segue into one of my would you rathers. So I want to springboard off that. And basically, the first would you rather I want to give to the fellas is, would you rather design a ship that will sink on its maiden voyage or design and build a building that will collapse in five years? 
So wait, I'm gonna so, go the ship. So Sorry, the, Sean. Yeah, no, no. I, I'm just uh, clarifying the question. So with the ship, you want it to sink, or it just happens to sink in the first journey? It, it's like the Titanic. It wasn't supposed to sink, but it just did. I mean, there's a lot of uh, controversy around the Titanic that a guy took out a massive insurance policy then didn't happen to be on the boat. <laughs> so I mean, like, there, there's there's a lot of conspiracy around it. Um, so maybe I mean, it was designed I mean, there's to a, sink. There's so there's so much fucking conspiracy. You can say that about any single massive massive catastrophe you know it's like someone every single massive catastrophe has had somebody that has benefited from it and thousands that have been the uh Mm -hmm. that have had the burden to be victims yeah so it's like there's there's like the good and bad and everything or the shit in the shittier that just sounds like all of donald trump's businesses (laughs) oh speaking of uh, (laughs) speaking of building let's go baby Um, I think I'd go the boat because if the boat collapsed, oh, sorry, if the boat sunk, um, I could save more people with, you know, the mm. little boats and whatnot. Whereas if a building collapsed, there's less chance of like a helicopter coming and rescuing people and more yeah. people. And yeah, I, I, I had a top floor. I agree with James on this one just because boats naturally have safety nets, right? Like a literal safety net of mm-hmm. lifeboats, um, like trained uh, people for when things go happen, uh, engineers that will run to different parts of the building or the the ship to manage uh, water flow to give you more time, and of course uh, distress signals and other boats in the area that can fix it. If a building goes down, the chance of people surviving is almost zero. Um, there was a there's a really interesting story. I'm not sure if this was 9/11 or it was a building collapse somewhere else, but they said they they, they had these dogs. And their job was to go into rubble and find people. And what they found was by like the fourth or fifth day, these dogs were getting depressed because they kept finding dead bodies because they only got rewarded when they found live bodies. So they were really incentivized to find live people. And so these dogs were getting quite depressed to the point where um, firefighters were hiding in the rubble and would surprise them and reward the dogs when they found them because the dogs were becoming so depressed for not finding anyone. Um, I I don't remember which disaster it was. It might be nine eleven. Might be something else. But could have been that. Could have been the uh, Miami building collapse uh, a couple of oh, a the months ago one. or a couple a couple of weeks ago. No, I think this story is from a while back. But um, yeah, I mean, like building collapses, you're looking at an incredibly high fatality rate. If you're on a boat, the chance is a lot lower. Especially since if it's the first maiden voyage, everyone on that ship is usually really well trained. They get the best of the best to run that ship the first time to make sure if yeah. anything goes wrong, they're ready for it. Well, when I was coming up with the question, I wasn't really like I was thinking about okay, yeah, safety will probably be like the boys' first priority. Mm. So you kind of answered my question the way uh, they're probably going to pick ship. But I was I put the uh, I put maiden voyage and the building to be five years after successfully being built for the other reason where it's like basically your per- professional career. So mm. basically, if you designed the ship that went down on its maiden voyage like everything afterwards you're going to be remembered for that maiden voyage whilst you have five years of the building being built Mm. to you know prosper with your career you know a little bit further didn't this recently happen like in sydney or like in the north shore or something there was a hurricane that just like collapsed an office building or something and there's also one in america very recently yeah the miami one yeah yeah the miami one there's um there's an interesting thing you've done by engineers in Canada. This is one of the reasons my dad pushed me down the engineering path. Um, so all um, 
civil engineers. Um, civil engineering, of course, uh, builds buildings, uh, bridges, anything that's really not supposed to move, right? Um, all the Canadian engineers, all civil engineers get the same ring on graduation. It's a simple iron ring that you put around your finger and you wear as long as you work as an engineer. And there's a few reasons why you do this. This ring is made out of a bridge that collapsed with 100 people on it and died. They dropped into the river and died. And so they melted down the steel of this bridge and they turned into rings that all the engineers, all civil, wear. And it's kind of like, speaking of boats collapsing, the, the chevron of engineers on boats, they wear a chevron, which is, um, or a collar on their, their, their jacket to represent the engineers that stayed on the Titanic to keep the lights on, to keep the water out, to give them a bit of extra time. Your main job as an engineer is to help society and to save lives. So if you fuck up a calculation, people die. So it's to remind you of the weight of your work. Um, a bit of a tangent there, but the the main priority for an engineer is not about your job. It's about saving and helping people. Um, and so I think given the opportunity, I would rather be on a boat, which could save lives versus a building, which has a lot more weight in terms of people losing lives if something goes wrong. And I guess to back Mark Sean on that, if you look at the Engineers Australia Code of Ethics, we actually have a moral obligation to help society. That's why, you know, you're talking to an engineer, they're very big on climate change and things like that is because we have to be or else we're considered unethical engineers i mean i do know a lot of engineers who are not like that sorry pads no i demand there to be a section where was james you are editing this podcast i demand you put in an audience like clapping sound (laughs) for the fantastic speeches youtube just gave that's that was awesome I need. To, I need, want to look up that that iron ring thing because I'm sure. I'm, I'm not sure if my dad actually meant that the iron ring. But anyways, um, we'll move on with that. I have. I have a question for you boys. It's a would you rather question. Okay, you are going to make an adventure. You're going on an adventure. You're going to travel to a foreign land. Now that foreign land, you must stay there for three years on your own. Now you have a choice of where to go. Is it? Either the bottom of the ocean or on Mars. 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 Um, I feel like, yeah, I feel like Mars as well. Wait, wait, so wait, with the ocean, is it discovered or the undiscovered part of, like, the bottom? Because we, we still haven't discovered the most, the, the, the most uh, below level that the ocean can go. Mm, exactly. Well, that's the thing, is the argument is... There's a lot of similarities between the bottom of the ocean and outer space. Both are frontiers that we have not explored to the extent that we should be able to understand. Um, the argument is that the Earth is a lot closer. We should explore the, the oceans first before exploring the stars. Um, but I think there's so many similarities between those two environments. So I wanted to see why you chose each one. Um, so why, why Mars, gentlemen? Uh, I'll go first. Um, I think... I think- when you're a kid, the one thing that you everyone jokingly says, "I want to be an astronaut. I want to go into space," you know, because like I guess it's the uh, we came from the generation where our parents were kids when the moon landing happened, and I don't know about your 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 take on the conspiracies when it comes to the moon landing. I I generally think thought it, I think it happened. Like I know there's some I know there's some people out there think, "Oh, moon landing was fake." I don't look they. They kind of like debunk every every single time that a conspiracy comes up. They debunk it very well and very eloquently. So it's like 
Mm. I think it happened. But with Mars, especially when no one's, no one's been on Mars yet, correct? No, not a human life. Robots have, yeah. but no humans. And just to be, if not the first person, to be in like the first 10, 20 people mm. to have gone to a planet and you can literally say, oh yeah, hey, I'm number, I'm number 15 on planet on on this planet like that's that's just the that's the biggest flex in the world plus you can actually be the one to discover new things when i mean you can discover new things underwater but i guess when you think about it no one's gonna remember the guy that spent three years underwater compared to the team the elite team that heroically went to Mars for like, for like, actually it'll probably be more than three years because it take it's gonna take two years just to get to Mars or three years to get to get to get to Mars. It, depending on your your craft, but yeah, it'll take roughly like a three, year. three years. Like yeah, three so years, you'll be yeah. gone for nine years. So the heroic team that went nine years, three years, three years there, three years back, three years on the planet, like that. I'm remembering that yeah. name over the guy who who's that guy that spent. Who was in underwater? Yeah, oh, underwater! What a quack! Like, but imagine you being at the bottom of the Bermuda Triangle and being like, "Oh, Jimmy's here. See, he's a sink ship past you." See, see, is the alive body of I mean, Jimmy Hoffa. Hello. So yeah. I guess, Patty, your answer was a lot more behavioural. Um, my answer is a bit more situational. I got well. I, that's that's the difference between you and I. I don't I don't have the engineering brain to go off. I'm kind of going off the average person. So the bottom of the ocean. I'm the I'm the common man. Go on. The the bottom of the ocean. The pressure is a thousand times of the of Earth's surface. So to give you an example, Earth has a pressure of one atmosphere. The ocean's over a thousand atmosphere. Mars is a lot less than the pressure of Earth. So I'd rather float than be crushed to death and just feel mm. my insides collapse with inside me. Sorry, you. I mean. Sorry, you're not going to like... You're not in a scuba tank at the bottom of the ocean for three years. You obviously have to have some sort of uh, accommodation. I mean, that argument would be the same for Mars. You wouldn't go to Mars with just a spacesuit for three years kind of thing. Um, so I think... I'm not sure on that argument. You'd both be in like uh, a atmosphere or environment that supports human living. But arguably, I think it'd be boat. better. Argu- arguably, I think it'd be easier to design something to live on Mars. And to live on the bottom of the ocean. I don't know. To design yeah. a, an environment that is small and portable enough to put into a rocket that would survive landing versus something you can drop off a boat, there's an argument that either one would take. Because I'm sure, like, the pressure to get to Mars, right? At some point, the spaceship's going to experience pressure probably greater than a thousand atmosphere. I'm not sure on that. I don't, I don't think so. I don't know much about astrophysics and whatnot but like just putting aside food and water and, and all that and just putting that as a supplementary mm. my my argument is to get something to the bottom of the ocean it would probably get either crushed or destroyed on the way whereas we know how to get to mars it's been studied extensively by companies like spacex and NASA and whatnot but to get to the bottom of the ocean there's a lot of arguments i guess of why not to do that yeah I, I would I would disagree. I would say it would be easier to get to the bottom of the ocean than to get to Mars. You think of the actual like scale and scope to get some just one robot. We've only got what like a handful of robots to Mars. 
versus getting something at the bottom of the ocean. I think it would be much easier to get habitats down there than onto Mars. But I want to touch but on Patty's just... point before. We, we know more about the surface of Mars than we do the bottom mm. of the ocean. One, because True. light doesn't get there. It's very dark. Mm. Two, is because it's completely undiscovered. So, even if you had a nice structure with lighting and whatnot down there, who knows what the hell could come out. Like, there could be creatures there that we don't know. Whereas, they actually have robots on Mars now scouting the biosphere. Seeing, mm. and, and, you know, and they've recently actually found on Mars, like, they found bacteria there. And traces of bacteria from billions of years ago suggesting that Mars could have sustained, like, some sort of life once upon a time. Or, in the future, may sustain life. Mm. Because, you think about it, the reason we have life on Earth right now is because we're in something called the Goldilocks Zone. Where water can be ice, gas, and liquid all at the same time. Mars, it can only really be a solid because of how far away it is from the sun. But over billions of years, as Mars gets closer to the sun, or the sun ex- expands, you know, it might be in in its own Goldilocks zone, so it'll be able to support life in a few billion years. Yeah, fair enough. Okay, well, that was that was my question, but um, yeah, I was I wanted to get your your read on it. To be honest, my answer was definitely going to be bottom of the ocean. I think there's a lot more things you'd explore and study, and the fact that we could we haven't done that. Everyone's rushing to Mars. No one's looking at the bottom of the oceans. It's like no. it's like the people who are looking for happiness outside. When rea- realistically, the happiness comes from within. I feel like that's where a lot of the scientific advancements would come from. <laughs> my, I'm pretty sure my happiness is my happiness is actually on Mars. So I'm be going to my happiness. So <laughs> jokes on you. But I just did a quick uh, Google and your point of more undiscovered um, species. There are there's an estimated. Uh, 200 or more undiscovered species at the bottom of the ocean. However, I'm also, I didn't even think about James's point of just getting something down there. Like we actually, I was just kind of like thinking more the prestige of going to Mars when we kind of realistically, we probably do know more about Mars than we do about uh, the bottom the of the ocean. ocean. Yeah. Because well, be specific, the surface of Mars, there's a lot. I, no. I reckon we don't know about Mars, but Mars is a, uh, Highest mountain is bigger than Mount... I think four times bigger than Mount Everest. Olympus Mons. Fun fact. Mm. You pulled that from Call of Duty. I know that. No, I actually didn't. I heard it... There used to be a guy called Crash Course on YouTube. I used to listen to like his things to help me study for chemistry in school. Oh, I remember okay. one time he just wrote that fact on Olympus Mons. And I was like, oh, Mons is the name of my math teacher. And that's how I remembered it. Interesting. Okay, fair enough. But uh, yeah... That was uh, my question, boys. Um, James, do you want to go around? Would what's your would you rather? Okay, I have a a bit of a, a strange one. Actually, the, the one after that is even more stranger, and hopefully, <laughs> but this one is: <laughs> Would you rather all things on your phone be ha- having to be read in Mandarin, and you wouldn't be able to change the language, or everything you have to do on your phone you have to do with your nose? Ooh, I mean, both are learned behavior. You could easily learn, oh, sorry, easily. You could learn Mandarin, but you could also learn to use your apps hmm. with your nose. I honestly think if you're looking for short term, going with the nose is not a bad call. The phones are designed for people who don't have fingers. Like they're designed wanted- to have voice recognition or um, not to be touched. Like you can actually speak and do commands. I think you should go with your nose for short term. But long term, better skills learn in Mandarin. Yeah, I'll yeah. go. I'm, I'm going with Mandarin because I'm thinking of, like, 
I'm thinking of like a panicking situation where, you know, I, I quickly need to message somebody something, you know, an extravagantly desperate message of survival. You know, it's like quickly someone's like, uh, someone's chasing after me, I need your help. Or, you know, <laughs> however, in that, in that situation, I'm now thinking, why wouldn't I just call somebody? However, like voice, voice commands dead. I can only text. So, yeah, I'd rather just teach, I'd rather learn another language than I don't know how quickly I could type with my nose or text with my nose, but I assume it's going to be a long time. Like, it's going to be like, I can't just like keep banging. I'll get a concussion from just banging my phone against my nose. Yeah, so there's um, so there's certain languages um, are described in terms of difficulty by the number of hours on average it takes to learn them. So, for example, with English, there's a lot of words that come from the Latin languages. So Italian and French and Spanish are about six to eight hundred hours, right? Then you look at more mm-hmm. difficult languages which don't use the Latin base. So like Greek, they're twelve hundred hours. So like you kind of understand how how difficult languages are to learn. Russian is like 15. Mandarin is 2,200 hours to learn. Like it is, it is significantly steeper to learn. But that being said, it's probably a very good language to learn. I think there's a benefit to this. And if you, and you think that, about that well, hours... You know, you know what? 2,200 hours, that is a little over three months. That's, that's 90 days. That's a little yeah, over 90 that, days. You're not learning Mandarin while you sleep, so... <laughs> The, the weird thing with something like Mandarin is it's so different from other languages because you have to speak it a certain way. So, like, my girlfriend's dad knows Mandarin quite well. And he told me this story once of how he went to a service station where the guy was um, spoke Mandarin. He was Chinese. And um, he went, like, to go and talk to him. He didn't speak that great English. So, he started speaking Mandarin to him. And he knew a lot of words. And mm. the guy had no idea what he was saying. Like, even though the words were spot on, the way he said them wasn't right. And as a result, he didn't know. So you're not just learning how to write in symbols, right? You're not just learning the words. You actually don't have to... Um, same. And it's the same with Vietnamese, Japanese. I mean, mm. for someone who knows Italian, you don't have to speak it a certain way. You can say the words in any tone and I'd understand what you're saying. Whereas those... Do you remember when we were out, Sean, in the city and we saw that like those, those Japanese people and I started speaking Japanese and she's like, you just like threatened to hurt me. I was like, no, I asked if I could have a beer. She's like, oh, that's oh it's like, right. You, just, you had the words. I she goes, you had about that. <laughs> so you're to, like, to, to I would like a beer, please. She's like, what the fuck you say to my mind, dog? <laughs> to be specific, to, to, the, the way you ask, can I have a beer in Japanese? Is biru or impai or kurahai? And I said, I said it in an aggressive tone. No, well, that's the thing. I said okurasai, and she was like, no, that that means you're angry. And I'm like, but we learn in Jap- Japan it was akurasai. Like, but it depends what you're asking for. I'm like. For fuck's sake, I can't deal with these formalities. Mm. Classic James, always trying to start a fight. I mean, there's so many dialects. You see that as well. Like, you think that Sydney and Melbourne have an accent difference. You look at, like, different parts of England, which is a country, like, what, a 20th our size, but seems to have a weird dialect every neighborhood you go to. Um, That's probably going to have the exact same effect in Chinese, Mandarin, or Japanese, or Vietnamese, like we said. So, um... There's probably also a dialect factor in play here, and that's why uh, the Mandarin wasn't conveyed across that well. So I want to add to that. So where my family's from from Italy, in a place called Bardi, we have like a specific dialect that we speak there. So the way to say the word tomorrow in Italian is this beautiful word. It's called domane. Like when you're talking about tomorrow, you say domane. You know what it is in our dialect? What? 
Kro. Oh, that's just right. Fuck. Kro. Right. Like, oh. how do you go from a beautiful word to oh. then be in the dialect and it's just Kro? It it's sounds like, disgusting. Hey, baby, what are you doing? Kro. <laughs> oh. oh, Daddy James, say it again. Oh. It doesn't make sense. But I think after that tangent, um, we should go back to, to Patty. Yeah, Patty, what's your word? Would you rather? All right. Um, okay, would you rather only one of these can happen in the future, the other one cannot? Doesn't matter how far along in the future you go, it will never happen. Okay. Would you rather teleportation or time travel? Teleportation. 100% teleportation. Yep, yeah, same. Teleportation. I feel no. like with, with time travel, like we can achieve certain levels of time travel. It's just a matter of time before we can actually harness the technology better <laughs> see that play on words i'm finger gunning for the cameras in case anyone's not seeing this which is everyone um but, <laughs> finger guns, pa-pow. but teleportation is that's a technology that we can't really imagine or see i mean there's ways to do it right like you can vaporize everything uh about a human body analyze that take that and then at a molecular level reconstruct that at another location and hope to fucking god you didn't give this person cancer but it, like it's never been physically proven you can't do it like there it's 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 not been done yet technology is, is not to a level where you can vaporize billions of atoms then reconstitute them somewhere else yet but the, one day there could be Actually, that's a question that I want you guys to ask. Teleportation, right? That idea of teleportation, of vaporizing everything, right? Like on a pad, for example, you stand on a pad, you're completely vaporized. Something then measures exactly what you're made of at exactly the right position and everything, every blood, every atom, everything. And then somewhere else makes it again. However, you have been vaporized. What you've just created is a clone on the other side of the planet, but you have stopped living. Would you do teleportation in that situation? No. No. Right? Would, I have, would I have the same memories? Well, no. So a clone You're of dead, you like... with the exact same memories would exist, but you would stop living. Would you do teleportation? Like you would Depend- die and then you, Dep- you would be generated. Depends what I'm teleportating for. So your legacy would live on through a clone, which has your exact body, memories, everything about you is made again. But you, you know what? physically I, would die. You know what? I trust my clone to live a great life, so I'll be like, yeah. Mm. It, he, he, here's the baton, good sir. Pass Carry it on. It. Yeah, so there's there's an interesting theory of how selfish are you with teleportation? And if you wanted to travel to other stars, you could, but you would have to die and a clone would have to live in your place. And that clone would understand. That clone would be like, yep, yeah, I, I appreciate the sacrifice that my other self made. But I'm effectively a clone of that person that I've taken their name and identity of. Uh, I mean... Which is terrifying to think about, if you think about it, right? Yeah. Because of my, like, take on what life and death is, I wouldn't do that. Just because of what I think happens when you die during life. I think uh, that's why I wouldn't do the Mm. teleportation that way. I I feel like you should, because imagine, like, you doing that and then meeting your clone... Of uh, the clone of James in like the, the next life, mm. that'll be that, bro. You'd be, you'd be slapping hands and be like, "Hey, bro, what'd you get up to?" And you'd be yeah. like, catch it up on stories and whatnot. Like, you'd, be, you'd well, be your best bud. I don't know. I I feel like the meaning of life here is you live to learn as much as you can while you're alive. So I feel like if I did that, I would lose the opportunity on so many lessons that 
I could have, you know, embraced him. How so? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm 20, 22, right? Yeah. I still have, you know, hopefully another 60, 70, even maybe even more years left. I still have so many more lessons to learn in life. If I was given the opportunity to teleport now mm. and then die, I've given well, up the opportunity to learn so much. Well, you could say that technically you're still living. You're just everything, like your memories, everything has now been transferred to something else. But you as a, as a physical makeup of atoms and molecules has disappeared. But you're an exact copy of your replica with everything that you believe, ethically, morally, scientifically, is now created in a clone. And it's gone off to do the exact same things that you would have done if you were in mm. that position. No, I appreciate that. 100% know what you're saying, but I think there is something after life and I think the lessons that you learn, you know, a lot of people disagree. Everyone's got their own take on this sort of stuff, but I think the lessons that you learn while you're alive in your physical form is for you to take to the next thing that happens after after you die. There's a good to book To the next about level. Called, yeah, it's called Many Lives, Many Masters, I think the book is. Great. I haven't read it all, but I don't know. I, I, I like that spirituality sort of stuff and... That's just what I believe in, and you know, help helps me out with my morality and what. Everyone's got their different way of doing it, but that's just my personal take. <laughs> but um, back on the teleportation thing, I've always thought technically, what we're, we're in a video call right now, and I think this is in a way teleportation. The camera's capturing the photons, creating an image, storing that as data, and then regenerating those photons on your guy's screen. In a way, that is teleportation in itself. If we could scale that up to not only do it with photons, but actually take molecules, store us say as it's, data. It's teleportation. I would say it's it's low quality um, illustration because you can do that same. You can use the same argument that uh, a phone, right? It's gathering waves through an electromagnetic coil, uh, turning that into a a wave that then sends across the internet or a cable then reconstitutes it through another coil and you can hear someone's voice. Like, is that teleportation yeah. too? Would you consider that teleportation? Very, very, very low scale. Like the idea of teleportation to... um, What's the word I'm trying to find? The idea of teleportation to a fantasy here is you disappearing and reappearing somewhere else. But all that is is like you touched before every single atom in your body disappears and then reappears somewhere else because it's gone through, I don't know, a wormhole for argument's sake. This is just taking waves, converting them and putting them through a transmission line. So the data is being stored on like some sort of a network. Now, imagine you had that network, someone made a network that your human body could be stored in and then spat mm-hmm. out somewhere else. So, you know what's funny, Patty? The, the idea that you said time travel and teleportation... It's very, very, very similar. So, in the same Stephen Hawking's book, when he talks about time travel, it actually is, in its own right, teleportation. Because the way to time travel is going through one end of a, of a wormhole and coming out the other using time dilation. So, it's not exact, but <laughs> very, yeah. very similar. And also, if you could travel at the speed of light too, because if you vaporize things, you'd be just become a stack of information. You could be sent across Earth uh, within seconds when realistically it takes hours is that not time travel as well just sounds like normal time travel because you're just going into the future like i'm technically time traveling just by counting them seconds like you know as like 29 10 11 seconds 12 mm. seconds 13 seconds like i'm just 
kind of just traveling with time. You're moving through time. You're moving through the the flow of of time itself. Um, but if you could do something that no one else could do faster, and for example, be in Paris within three seconds, is that not technically time travel into the past because you could do it? You could be there earlier than you could have been normally. Hmm. Interesting. At least from well, I mean, from where we from, that would be a very beneficial uh, excursion instead of waiting. You know, what is it like uh, twenty two plus hours to get there? Yeah, exactly. You've got technically gone twenty two hours in the past if you can be there instantaneously versus flying there using conventional well, technically, means. Is, uh... Technically, you've travelled into the future, right? Because if, say, for example, someone a president was going to make an announcement, and then you know, you got there three seconds like earlier to see it rather than having to wait till it comes transmission to your TV or whatever. You've technically gone forward to see that or you've skipped. I think if, I think like you said, if you go earlier than what you would have experienced it, that's backwards. If you were going to something that you would experience in like 10 minutes, that's into the future. I think that's my understanding mm. of it. But yeah. That's a that's a really interesting breakdown. would you rather, Patty. I, I really like that question. That was a lot of fun to kind of delve into. Hmm. I, I mean I'm not to be honest, I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of this uh theory of oh we're always time traveling. Well, we're not. Like we're just kind of going through time. Like because technically when we travel, like in that th- with your theory of if it takes you three seconds just to get from here to Paris, mm. but then technically we're time traveling. It's like, well, we're not. Well, I think, I think that because I'm pretty sure also two episodes ago you said we cannot travel backwards in time. If we did that, we'll be traveling backwards in time because the I'm pretty sure all of Europe is at least like I think they're 12 hours behind us. I mean, that's that's something a little different. Um, no, so the the fundamental principle of not being able to travel back in time stands. That hasn't changed. It's the idea that you are now moving so much faster than physically possible if you are a human being as a reconstitu- reconstituted matter form that for you, you would have been traveling like at the speed of light. So for you, you've, you've traveled to a massive difference that you couldn't have done normally. For you, that's like traveling back in time. You've got an extra 22 hours of your day without needing to experience that travel. Um, so when I say travel back in time, that's pretty much in fingers uh, the uh, bunny is there. That's realistically, you're right. I, you're not breaking relativity there. It's just that you can experience things sooner than other people can. No, but that's the same for like when I when I travel from Sydney to London, mm. I left at ten thirty at night, yeah. and I on a, on a Wednesday, and I arrived and was in London Centre by eleven a.m. the on Thursday, even though it took me like the plane travel took over, took about twenty three or twenty four hours to get there. I mean, so, you're just moving to a different position relative to the sun. Yeah, maybe. that's that. I mean, like technically, if you go to there was a there was a we were on a cruise one time to Fiji, and um, on the way back we were there was the one of the hours. So we said it's New Year's Eve. If we go fifteen kilometers east right now, technically we get an extra hour to party on New Year's Eve. So the fucking captain gunned the boat, went straight west, which is way off path, got into the separate time zone, all the clocks on the boat reset, got us an extra hour on the party, and then afterwards in the nighttime, 
as he went back across the date time, it gave us uh, it took an hour off, so our sleep was a bit less. But the point being is, there are, there are ways to do it where you could um, uh, just use the the time zones to your advantage. I mean, you can have like a birthday twice in like over forty eight hours, but that's not technically time travel. That's just humans uh, allocating rules and regulations on time based on the position of Earth and the Sun around our. Uh, around the orbits anyways perfect description of it well actually i kind of want to follow on from that because mm. the it's a, a way off tangent because there's nothing to do with time travel or teleportation but just the fact that you mentioned a cruise ship and the first thing that always happens when i said a cruise ship i think of like disasters i think of like because <laughs> i've been on some very nice cruise ships in my time like i've been on like a bunch of P&O cruises when i was a kid and like but obviously when you're on a plane an aeroplane, they never will show th- those uh, those movies where, you know, like that Liam Neeson movie nonstop where, you know, the plane starts going down. They're not going to show it because the plane is crashing. Any movie that has a plane crashing into something or a plane going into a disaster, they're not going to show it. Even the movie Rain Man, because there's like a split 10 seconds of the Dustin Hoffman character that has uh, that suffers from autism or suffers from the... There's uh, a, a special... Uh, uh, like, like you know, like he's special. Uh, person that was he starts saying facts about. Oh, did you know you? There's like a one in so and so chance of crashing of the of this plane crashing just because of that line. That plane is no longer allowed to be because of that line. That movie's not uh, be on planes. Is it the same thing for boats? Like for ships? Like can they show Poseidon on like on a P and O cruise? I'll be honest. Or I've show Titanic? Personally, never seen it. Yeah, I'll I'll be honest. I've been on cruises and I've never actually been in the movie theater. Like they usually do have one, but I've never actually spent time, so I can't actually make comments on that. That's really interesting. I think the the behind the reason behind that there's a massive stigmatism between behind planes crashing. Right, if a plane crashes, big explosion, everyone dies. The chance of survival is almost zero. But theoretically, like not so theoretically, statistically, planes are the safest form of transport. Ever because of the stigmatism, people um, do heaps more maintenance on them, right? Like your car, you cannot maintenance it for like three years, and you're like, oh well, so be it. A plane has to be maintenance every flight. So if something goes wrong, they pick it up straight away because they know everyone's like, you haven't done maintenance for this week. Oh my god, the plane's gonna crash. Like it's there's this constant uh, like weight around it. So I think that's actually pushed it into a safer direction. And also to add to that, Sean, like with if you when you get your car maintenance, you just take it to a mechanic, right? And you have like two or three blokes working on it mm. or girls working on it. With with the plane, you have engineers working on it. You have aeronautical engineers, mechanical engineers that have to help service it. So there's a lot more resources doing it, um, using a lot more principles of mass. They're not getting mechanical engineers to look at the gearbox torque calculation of your car when you're getting it serviced. So there's a lot more work being put into it. I, I wouldn't discourage the work of some mechanics, though. I will admit, but no, some, they're, they're very, very, yeah. very good. But I'm just saying, there's there's more attention. But like to an, an example of this, like uh, uh, an example of how how they stress planes, right? So you know the wings, right? The metal wings that you see on planes, really strong metal wings. Before the plane is allowed to take off, they get both wings, they bend them to the point where they're, they're moving upwards, like they're clapping like at a um, an Akon concert, to the point where both wings are now touching each other. That is the level that every plane must go to before being 
like allowed to fly. Like the 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 the, the level of security and safety they put into these planes is mind numbing because the stigmatism because if a plane goes down, it's bad. They make sure planes just don't go down. Mm. So there's mm-hmm. a lot of things behind it. But yes, that's a an interesting point about uh, cruise ships. I, to be honest, though, cruise ships way too relaxed, right? Everyone just gets on, throws their bag into a room, goes for a party, drinks cocktails before you, and the boat's left port. Like they do um, the safety briefing, but everyone's got like a mo- mojito in their hands. Like I think it's way too relaxed. I think they people are like, oh, it's fine. If something goes wrong, I just get into a safety boat and drink a cocktail at the bar on the back of the lifeboat. But um, with planes, like it's 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 different, different. Uh, it's apples and oranges. Mate, you just froze for a good couple of seconds there. Oh, I did, yeah. <laughs> it did say that the connection froze. I probably had a weird face on too. I so, thought yeah. that was me for a sec. But um, oh, that was a good good tangent. Sean, do you have any uh, anything to, to bring up? Well, I've got a question for you guys. And this is... Um, there's going to be two answers to this. So I'm going to have to do the calculation on air. And so like... Imagine you're making a, uh, a a glass of tea, a hot tea for one of your friends. Making your tea for the Beers with Engineers group, right? What costs more, a liter of water from the tap or to boil one liter of water to 100 degrees? So to use a liter of water from the tap or boil a liter of water to 100 degrees? Yeah. What costs you more, the cost of the water or the cost to heat that, electric- that water to a uh, boiling point? What am I using to boil the water? Am I using a gas-powered... Uh, You'll be using an electric kettle at 100% efficiency. Can I do a calculation or do you want me to just do a bucket? Well, I'm, I'm trying to get what you guys think is more expensive initially and like, then so we'll do the is calculation. This, is this like an average home or our, like, our individual home specifically? Um, wait, what do you mean? How does that, how does that come to effect? Well, because if you do it during the daytime and you have like any your, your house is powered by solar, mm. well, like technically you don't pay anything. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm, that's not exactly how the solar system works. Imagine you're paying the exact not same. Not the solar system, like solar power. I don't. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. Get, I'm not getting energy from fucking Jupiter. I'm paying the sun to do my dirty work for me. You're paying the sun. How how do you do that? Is it like a, a rental agreement or <laughs> is it like a look? Look, we have an understanding. Look, look, look the uh, the S dog and I, we have an understanding. He charges me. He gives me the old uh, the solar power, and I try not to do as much renewable. Renew. I try my best to do renewable energies. Like it's uh, it's a give yeah. and take. Look, you've made a good point. Electricity made by renewable resources is generally speaking cheaper, but I mean the grid is made up of poles, wires, people managing. So there's always going to be a cost. Imagine it's a flat cost. Regardless of the time, I wouldn't know. I'm but have a guess. Have a guess. What do you think costs more? Water, which is incredibly cheap, or electricity, which is also incredibly cheap? I'm going to say they're going to be a, a sim- very, very similar price. That's not an answer, James. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go tea. What? The price of I'll the tea bag? The- Yes, <laughs> just the tea just bag. The tea bag. Nah, the tea bag costs more. <laughs> probably does actually. I think I I think I think the cheapest thing here will probably be the wages of the people that make the tea bags. I'm, I'm, um, gonna, I'm gonna actually I'm gonna say it's I'm gonna say it's the water, probably by a factor of like ten cheaper. You think that you think the water's cheaper? 
So I'm assuming and energy here is 25 cents a kilowatt hour. 25 cents is a pretty good. That was the value I was going to use. 20 to 25. And yeah, to boil up. Okay, so water has 4.18 kilojoules yeah. per kilogram of gram per, me- per degree. Per, per degree. Yeah, um, the old MCAT formula. Yeah, so to heat up a liter of water and mm-hmm. the price of tap water. So tap water per kiloliter is about $2.30 a kiloliter. So that goes down to 0.0235. So multiply, yeah, so that's just the price because you don't have to multiply it. I mean, it's one liter. Mm. Um, what's that? That's the mine. So three zeros behind in front of it, power minus three. So yeah. <laughs> one liter of water, yeah, costs zero point zero zero two three five dollars. Okay, okay. So the energy to boil one liter of water from twenty degrees to one hundred degrees is point one eight three kilowatt hours. Hold on, that's straight up not true. 0.183 kilowatt hours of either electricity or gas. 183. Can you run me through the calculation there? So you've got one kilogram of water. So one times by 4.2 times by 80, the the delta between 120. Is that correct? Yep, yep, yep. So, and assuming it takes, the temperature change is 75 degrees. Yeah. And one I mean, liter of water is the same as uh, one, one kilogram. Like one kilo. That was yeah. 100 grams, but it's kilograms. Um, and then 4.18. So, so, yeah, we have to scale that down. So, I, so I think we're SI, SI units are out here. But yeah, I honestly. Hang on. So. Uh, For me, I've calculated 0.003, rounded up, kilowatt hours of energy. Sorry, I think we have to convert to maybe grams here to get joules, and then from there you convert to kilowatt hours. Grams to get joules. Can't you use kilojoules per... Well, the the, um, constant I said before, it's 4.18 joules per gram per Kelvin, or per degrees. But it's also 4.2 kilojoules per kilogram. Like, it's the same SI unit. Yeah. So, yeah. So, it, it scales up. So, that gives you how many kilojoules. So, say we go one kilo times 4.184 times mm-hmm. 75. So, that's 313 kilojoules. And then you just convert that to kilowatt hours. 315, 0.0875. It's a very small and it's much smaller number. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna lie. I didn't actually like calculate that. I just looked up energy to boil a kettle, uh, boil oh. a kilo of water. That's why I, I said it. But you kind of stumped me with doing that calculation, trader. My calculation was just simple cancellation of units. But all oh, right, okay. So what was the price for water? Um, two dollars thirty-five a kiloliter, which converts to zero point zero zero two three five dollars a liter. Dollars, dollars. Just say, let's say the price of water is zero point zero zero two three. The price to boil that water is zero point zero two one eight seven five. So it's a factor of ten out. Congratulations. Good oh, guess. my guess was sort of right. I think your guess came from Google, but we'll move on from there. 
Oh, well, like, uh, yeah, I could have done the chemistry calc myself, but I was like, I can't just look it up. So that's a good thing about <laughs> engineering. It's like some calculations, there's no point doing it because uh, constants already exist. Yeah. So you just look it but I mean, then, then there's no point doing jigsaw puzzles if you can just Google the picture of the end as well. Like the the, the real adventures from the like the, the happiness is from the the journey you had. So that's not the right quote, but yeah, the real friends is the ones we made along the way. The real treasure. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does such. Yeah. Once once I get to Mars, I'm gonna be fucking happy, Patty. <laughs> oh, gonna be honest, boys. When you guys were just doing. The math calculations, I found that as more exciting as watching someone get a colonoscopy. I did not find it exciting at all. Again, this is, uh, I don't know, I found it quite exciting. I yeah, enjoyed I, I, can't, I, can't, I quite enjoyed that. I, Whenever I have to well, do a calculator, it's so, I, so fun. I didn't know what to calculate. Like, you're talking about kiloliters, and I'm like, what? I didn't even know what that, if that was even a, a unit. Ooh, like, okay, well, here's a good one. SI units. So, kilo is, is that Greek? I think it's Greek for a thousand. So, kiloliters, a thousand liters. And think of I'm, um, me- I'm I measure my things the way that the Queen measures them. I measure everything in thurlongs. Boo! No pound sterling. <laughs> it took me eighteen pound sterlings to get to work today. That's how I'm going to use my units from now on. No, I walked one eighth of a furlong to get to work today. Jeez, you are. <laughs> All right, we've gone <laughs> we've gone off t- we've gone on tangent again. We've done we've gone it again. All right, James. Next question. You're up. Oh, I was hoping I wouldn't get to this question because it's very strange, but I have to ask it. Do it. Would you rather have potatoes for your nutsack, but there's never an odor, or or have your crotch area always smell like potatoes? <laughs> what? Sorry. <laughs> We went from talking about space, time travel, safety of planes to potato nutsacks. And I, I really thought I'll be the one to kind of downgrade these questionings. Patty, like, please wow. save me with your question. So, <laughs> nah, this, this question, there's, there's a group of guys on YouTube. They got famous from Vine called Zane and Heath Unfiltered. And they had a question. It was like, would you rather have like coconuts as a nutsack? And I forget the other one. And another question was, would you rather have your, would you rather have a potato as a dad or your dad slowly, or potatoes slowly turning into your dad? So your dad turning to a potato or potato slowly turning into your dad. So I just like combine those two questions together okay. somehow. All right. Well, uh, well, well, first, can I just say, well, if you did have potatoes for a nutsack, would you still be able to, you know, uh, would you still be fertile? You can do anything or as no. normal, but they're just potatoes. <laughs> yeah, but obviously you can't reproduce if you don't have like working testicles no, no. So i think we can pa- patty that's all, just that's, that's just a fact all the same all the same functions happen but physically you're like oh okay so just, they fit so they physically look like potatoes however they still are working their they're function still, still is working still up. retained the other we got to is- get this. We got to get this specifically right here, James. We're talking about serious shit. <laughs> We're talking about oh nut sacks. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you have potatoes. Look at, look at- they, they don't smell like potatoes. No one knows. James, James, take your shirt off and look me in the eye when you tell me when you talk to me. Okay. <laughs> but this is onsen. Jesus Christ. Your crutch area is normal, but it just always smells like potatoes. What would I, you rather? Look- Look, I'm going to try and get through this question as quickly as possible because I'm terribly uncomfortable. But honestly, 
you you go to like a swamp, you get notice of the smell, like this the smell you notice at the start, and then just fades away. You get used to that. That's something you get used to. You'll never get used to walking around with the potatoes as your balls. So I reckon the latter. Anyways, Patty, have you got a question for us? <laughs> no, let's get back to no! this. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, you give it. It's oh, yeah. No, probably. I don't know the. Well, I you you you're being selfish here, Sean. You're only thinking about like the smell being used to you. Obviously, we're all we're we're all uh, we're all young men, fertile young men. We like to you know date. Or, we like to we like to go on a uh, dates. So some of us have girlfriends, some of us don't. Sean, um, wow, get a girlfriend, bro. Come on. I know. So rude. Just no, I know. James, look it- at this guy. <laughs> I don't know. It's like when people are like, oh, you should get a dog or a cat. If you're not a dog or a cat person, then that's that's it. Like, you don't want I compare I, I comparing women to dogs. That's a jump that you made. I didn't. <laughs> All right. I'm just making sure. All right. Just making, I got my eye on you, bro. Yeah. But uh, I'm not going to be selfish. I'll pr- I rather, because I may get used to the smell, but what if my partner doesn't? You will never be able to walk normally again. You can never run again. You With two, like, you know, I'll invent a revolutionary, you know, under, underpants. Yeah. No, nah, you need to need a good set of underpants that kind of like cup them and you're, set, and you're good to go. No, straight up. Because it's, it's going to be so obvious. No, I think you got to go function over, over the effect. I think you've got to do it. Like, what does a potato smell like? Because I can't think of it. Can you? Yeah, I don't. I mean, maybe a rotten potato, like. But it's just kind of. It just kind of doesn't it smell pretty bland. Like it just smells normal. No, no. Like I. If it, I, I you know what it smells like? It smells like someone who just. And you guys aren't gonna agree with this, but this is from my experience. I used to train at um YMCA, and there's used to be this one guy who used to always run on the treadmill, and like when he used to sweat heaps, he smelled like potato. That was the smell I associated it with. So whenever I think, yeah, of like, I think, I. Th- yeah, actually, you know what? I, I I might go back to this smell. Th- I, you know, I want to go with the uh, nuts that smell like potato because from my under- my personal experience with potatoes, I've had very pleasant smelling potatoes in my life. Yeah. French fries mainly. Yeah, Massaman Curry uses potatoes very well. Like, you think it's yeah, it's an excellent compliment. I think... Yeah. And you know what? If someone complains about it, you know, and you have a girl come out of it, just, you know, get to the odorant, start spraying like a madman and get out there. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's 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 put a pit in that one and never return to it. Uh, Patty, have you got a next question for us? <laughs> I'm bringing this up next week. Uh, oh. I demand we bring up nuts. All right. So, um, would you rather have a penis that smells like a sausage or have? Ah, <laughs> 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 uh, you boys make me uncomfortable. What happened to beers no. with engineers? You know, <laughs> I'm still drinking a beer. I don't know about you. Yeah. Same. Um, okay, um, this one, I probably should have brought this up before when we were talking about space, but I'll bring it up now. Um, so, would you rather, okay, so, would you rather live in a gravity-defined world similar to Pluto? So, the gravity on Earth is exactly as the gravity on Pluto, which is next to nothing, mm-hmm. or or have, or have there be a one in 100,000 chance of every cup of water you have be wastewater? Wastewater. Wastewater for sure. Easy. Nah, man. Like, just the, just that, just the slight chance, though, of drinking shit. You um, want, you, you want to recover. But, like, the, you already have a chance of drinking shit. 
like there's a chance that you didn't wipe your hand properly and uh, you didn't wash your hands properly, right? And then you had a glass of water. The chance of the amount of poo that you consume over your lifetime is probably more than one in 100,000 chance. And the other thing is Pluto, like low gravity stuff is terrifying, right? Like your muscle goes down. The, your, your actual body weight decreases quite dramatically. And so, like, someone who weighs 60 kilos suddenly becomes, like, 45 kilos, 50 kilos. You see astronauts who come back to Earth who spent time in, like, very low gravity, almost no gravity. They can't walk, right? Like, it, it's terrifying. You can't survive in Pluto that long. If you drink the old glass of, like, wastewater, all right, so be it. But right now, there are processes where we are currently drinking wastewater, and that's fine. Like, I think the body can handle that better, and like, that's more proportion. Uh, we have, like, just, intravenous and, 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 like, you know, antibiotics that if you do get sick, you can treat it. We're so far, in, like, medical. We don't have ways of, like, combating low-gravity environments yet. Actually, okay. there, there is a way to do it, but it's it's very finicky. Pretty much, you get into a spaceship, and you spin it so fast that it creates... In a centrifugal force. Centrifugal force, force. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know that part, just, but it's not like readily available. Just for people at home that don't know what the gravity on Pluto is, basically it's like 45 kilos on Earth would be 3 kilos on Pluto. What is it as a, as a meter per second per second? What's its name? Like Earth is 9.8. Um, um, Pluto is 0.62 meters per second squared. That's so annoying <laughs> though, because if you like, you were like, oh, he, I'm going to drop my pen. It's going to... You, you drop your pen onto the table, it hits the table and bounces and fucks off somewhere. Like, it's so annoying. Like, everything would yeah. just be, like, never set. Yeah. You'd be so uncomfortable. I know, I, know, I know what you mean. Probably thinking about it, I probably would do the... Uh, I did just... As we were going, I changed the ratio from, like, a 1 in 5 chance to, like, 1 in 100,000. So, that's probably on me. But given that situation, probably, like, the gravity is all. Because I had the thought, what if you accidentally just jumped, like do a jump and you just end up in the middle of the ocean or something. Yeah, you'd have to be so much more careful all the time versus with wastewater, one in five, even then you could just have like a little thing that just text, tests it quickly, goes, ah, don't drink that. Yeah, sweet. My life continues on. La 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 la. With gravity, nah, you, ha- you, you have to drink it. Fuck. You have to drink it. Okay, <laughs> who puts these fucking rules in, man? Like, <laughs> who's like, you have to drink every glass of water you get? I am the, I, I am the, I am the almighty of this question, so I do. I put the power in. Okay, you're a benevolent ruler. A cruel but benevolent ruler, Patty. I'll live I'm, I'm like Mark Wahlberg's parenting style. I'm harsh but fair. I think I say Mark Zuckerberg, harsh but fair. <laughs> He's not fair at all. He's very harsh. Please don't, please don't hurt me, Daddy Zuck. Anyways. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah. James, do you have a question? Yeah, I, this is an interesting one. I want to see like what you guys would take. So, if you got... Got given ten thousand dollars, and you got given a year to build a new, like a build a phone, and this phone has to be different from every other phone that's you know ever been made. And assume you have all the resources to make a phone is is free. So like to look up the information of how to do it, that's all free. You know, it's readily available, but it has to be very very unique. You're given a year, and that's all you have to do. Every day you work on building your phone, but you're given ten thousand dollars. Or you were given $10 million 
but you only had two weeks to build the phone. All the resources are still there. If you fail to meet the deadline, the money you make is lost. Which option do you take and why? Wait, say that last bit again. What is lost? So if you fail to meet your deadline target, you lose all of that money. So $100,000, sorry, $10,000 to build a phone in a year, but it has to be different from every other phone or $10 million, but you only have two weeks. But the resources you have to research to be able to build the phone are all given to you. So the blueprint for an iPhone, for example, or a Samsung is given to you, but it has to be very different but it can't be a little, a tiny different of like you have more numbers or whatnot on the phone. It has to be marginal. Yeah, I, I, I think that the problem with it is neither of the answers that you've provided is is high enough capital. $10,000 or $2 million, like to, to create something new, like with phones and technology and that like echelon of quality, you're looking at like $50, 100000000 million, right? But put that into the time being. If you have two weeks and $2 million, you could just hire an engineer. doesn't matter how well you can research, but one thing you can't put value on is people's experience, people's understanding. If you can be like, I want to get a consultancy in, I want to get a whole team of engineers for a million dollars to work on a project for a week, I can tell you you're going to get a lot more done with that group of people who are specialized in that field than you would over a year with the same amount of money. Like it there are people that you can't put value on their experience and understanding. So like, even though you can research it, it's not the same. You need people who have experienced it, who know it day in, day out. And with $2 million, you could you could do it within two weeks. But yeah. I mean, how, how different are we talking? That's the question. Yeah, I mean, I guess the criteria would be you look at an iPhone and an Android, they're different. They have different software in the way, the way they run. The camera quality is, I guess, fairly similar. So mm. I... I I feel like, you know, you can still keep that old touchscreen, but it have to be like a new software. Like compare, you compare Apple to, so you can pay like a Mac to a Windows, like a new sort of thing like that. Mm. This is what I mean. See, so like, but yeah, I just want to say excellent answer, Sean. That's the exact same yeah. answer that I had in, in mind. And the reason mm. I ask is because that's what I deal with in what, in what I do is you see people with experience from like 10 years. And like you said, their experience is invaluable. They always mm. have something to add just because of what they've seen. Yeah. Not because of what someone can research in two weeks and then go, oh, this is this is what I got. Because not going to lie, if your definition is make something that's very new, I would just like take the $2 million, buy a crossbow, get a phone, strap the crossbow to the phone, crossbow phone. No one's ever thought of a crossbow phone before. It's very new. And I could build it for a hundred bucks or whatever the phone costs, maybe a thousand dollars, and that that's hits the criteria. I don't need to go any beyond that. No one's ever built crossbow phone before, and so and also you ne- you only said it has to meet the deadline. You never said it has to be a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. There's, there's there isn't <laughs> there isn't a direction. You haven't been specific enough. I could make it strapped to a baby baby phone, the no, iPhone no, so- kids. I was uh, I was clear about like it would be similar to like a touchscreen Android iPhone, like but it would just be its own new software. But ones if you could make an iPhone which cries, <laughs> like like how valuable is that? That's very new and different and weird. I mean, no, I'm I'm talking about Sean, a whole change in the software. Like com- you compare like a new version of of Mac to Windows to something else. Like and obviously it's got to perform. At the same level as an Android or an iPhone does, or better. 
But it completely yeah. new software. In that case, yeah, with $2 million, you wouldn't do it. I will just fuck off to the Bahamas, spend it all, and change my name. Um, you're not going to be able to design and develop a new firm for $2 million. If that was the case, every angel investor in Australia would own their own smartphone. It, it, it's not enough money. It's not enough capital. But every angel investor doesn't want to work that hard, though. Actually, you know what? I feel like we've gone a little bit over time, but one final question, because you just mentioned fake names. What would everyone's fake name be if they could like come up with an alias right now? Ooh, Tobias Morrison. <laughs> oh, jeez. Yakovos Auditori. Uh, I'm going to follow the uh, the Denzel Washington method. I'll probably do uh, like a... Uh, like uh, Jimmy Utah or, you know, like Kevin Texas, you know, something that like sounds really fake. Yeah. Yeah. I, could you go with like Steve New Zealand? Or does that not work as well? <laughs> Steve Adelaide. Steve Adelaide. Steve Japan. Steve Christmas Island. There we go. That's a new one. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, it's red hot. <laughs> No, so, sorry, sorry to cut you off there, James. Continue. <laughs> I, I actually wasn't wasn't going to say anything, but on that note, I feel like we've had a nice long winded podcast. A lot mm. of interesting points we've talked about. Um, this was beers with engineers. I've been your James for the podcast with your Sean's and Patties. Hello. We hope to see you again very soon. Have a good one, everybody. See you. <laughs>